Here come the brides. Bargain Bin Brides. Watch as four bridal teams compete to see who can have the most lavish wedding for the cheapest price. Hashtag thrift bling. Hashtag discount squad goals. Bargain Bin Brides. Our analytics tell us you'll love it. I am Anansi, keeper of stories. Settle down while I stir the pot. Join me while I spin a tale. Welcome to Anansi Storytime. I'm your host, LJ Dinell. Today, we have a story about a beautiful girl falling in love with a cursed prince and helping uncover the beast in both of them. Our story is called Beauty and the Beast, and it is based on several different versions of the tale. Our players are Keith Riley, Tara Griffiths, Max Baskin, Lynn Parsons, Andrew Whitby, Lisa Watson, and Chris G. Please enjoy. I'm sorry, what was that? Hold on. This just in. I'm being informed that should you ever be affected by an Enchantress's Curse, Dragonpox, or Griffinfoot, do not panic. Instead, reach out to the offices of Alba Salix, Royal Physician. She is your one and only chance for a happy ending. That's albasalix.com, A-L-B-A-S-A-L-I-X.com. And now... Back to our regularly scheduled program. Please enjoy. Come, sit, listen. I once heard a story that started like this. This story was old when people began telling it. It has crackled and sparked by firesides, whispered over blankets and bedclothes, skittered its way through petals and leaves through the twists of time to reach your ears today. It never fails to fill the heart with wonder. It always begins with a question. It is a question that we all must ask ourselves if we are really, truly honest. Roses have thorns. Dawn is sown tonight in your secret heart where the wild things grow unfettered. Are you not just a little bit wicked? The story is old. The lessons are timeless. The question unchanging. What beauty lies in the heart of a beast? Ugh, how could I have failed at such a simple request? Albert reminisced on his daughter's request, for he had only been in town for two days selling his hand-carved furniture. He had managed to find the expensive gifts his two older daughters had requested, but not the one thing his youngest and most beautiful daughter had asked for. Well, if you insist, Papa, could you bring me a rose? A red one, like the mountain roses that you named me for? It would be much easier to paint if I had one as a model. If I hadn't stopped to give spare change to that beggar woman, I could have made it to the flower district in time. But... It is what Rose would have done. I can't deny it. Goodness me. Here I am wandering in my mind, when I should have been paying attention to the road. Did I pass my usual tavern? I don't recall the vines being quite so dense on the way here. Perhaps I took a wrong... Ah! Whoa, Thistle! Whoa, girl! That vine is slithering across the path, and it's darker than it should be here. The trees themselves are locking us in. God above, this is witchcraft. Albert urged his horse forward, and they took off at a gallop. 
Vines reached up, lashing at the sides of the cart, trying to trip the horse. Blind with the dark and panic, Albert almost missed it. What? Thistle, whoa! A gate of silver maple. The price of the wood alone, it must be two stories tall. But Thistle, look at the roses. There were dozens of them. They wrapped themselves serenely around the pale wooden bars of the gate, each of their petals as vibrant as drops of blood in snow. Before Albert realized it, he had climbed down from the cart, his terror forgotten. The gate felt cool as ice, but Albert hardly noticed. Roses everywhere. What lord lives in such a place? He walked along the path, marveling at the scarlet and emerald tangles, heart too blinded by wonder to notice each blossom glimmered with its own dewy witch light. The path opened upon a bone-white fountain, gleaming in the last golden fragments of sunset. Not a drop of water in sight. Just dried leaves and petals in its belly. No one could have lived here for some time. No one would miss one blossom amongst this trove. Would they? Quick as a cat, he had his little penknife out. Quick as a snake, his hand darted forward, his craftsman's fingers clutching at the base of a large rose. The knife flashed quick as lightning, cutting through the slender stem. Quick as that, he was a prisoner. What creature has found their way through my gates? <gasps> what coward has slumped through the pathways of my slumbering estate? Strong hands gripped Albert's shoulders and spun him around to face the Lord of the Manor of Roses. What thief has come slinking into my home to steal from me? Not hands, but furred paws. Albert found his breath at last. No! To Rose's credit, when she answered the knock at the door, she did not scream. The monster on her doorstep stood ten feet high. He was coated in bristling fur, thick like a wolf's but golden brown. Starlight rained down upon twisted horns, glistening fangs, eyes that gleamed with feral light. A red cloak was draped over clothing fit for a duke, not a button out of place. Who are you? Are you not afraid, girl? Gentlemen do not come at this hour, but attackers don't usually knock. I ask again, who are you? <laughs> I see you are more clever than your father. My father? Is he all- He is a gutless, guileless thief. <sighs> but he is whole. My business with you is his fate. For stealing from my lands, I demand a life sentence. He must remain in my home to atone forevermore. You can't do that. I would not mean to presume what I can and cannot do, girl. I can see, however, that you and your sisters would suffer were he not here to support you. So I come with a magnanimous offer. Rose drew herself to her full height to shield her sisters from view as best she could. But the beast's attention was solely upon her. It was a mistake to come here. 
beautiful, reckless fool. An exchange. One of you will come to live with me in my castle. You will not be prisoner. You will simply live out your days on my lands. Rose willed the tears from her eyes. Sisters, it seems my prince has come. Aren't you just green with envy? When do we leave? She did cry silently for the first few miles. The beast could feel her tears on his fur. She clung to his cloak, sitting astride his back like a horse as he took her to his castle. They reached the gates at dawn. He held it open for her like a gentleman, and she stiffly walked through, her head held high. Once we reach the castle, Maximilian will take you to your quarters. Breakfast will be served at nine, so please take some time to rest. My apologies for the rather primitive ride here. I did not wish to rob your father of a daughter and a cart. Am I supposed to laugh? <laughs> Perhaps not. Even if the bars are made of my vow and the quarters have silk instead of straw, I am still a prisoner. It doesn't have to be that way. You could be my wife instead. The trees parted for a view of the castle. Rose could not decide if her new home or the bald proposal was more breathtaking. She stared at him for three full heartbeats. You should respect yourself more. No, beast. I will not marry you. With that, she whisked herself up the stone steps as the door was opened by a towering servant. Thank you. The man's mouth opened and closed like a nutcracker's, the lines in his chin neat cuts of inky black in the pale skin. I will not let fear change who I am. Do not judge a book by its cover, Rose. She gave a small smile before allowing the servant to lead her up a dim interior staircase. The beast watched them go. Slowly, he pressed a hand to the left side of his chest, the pads on the tips of his paws coming away, shining with blood. Reckless idiot fool. Rise and shine, miss. I'd hate for you to miss breakfast. Mm, what? I fell asleep. Feather pillows will do that to you. Beastly, tricky things. Bath is heated and a dress is laid out. I thought blue to match your eyes. The woman bustling about Rose's room could not have been more different from the dour servant from the night before. Chin-length red hair, round face, large smile, and plenty of chatter. She did, however, have one very distinct similarity. Lord above, what happened to your eyes? The servant blinked her wide, sky-blue doll's eyes coquettishly. Do they not suit me? I'm told they are a pretty color, though I, of course, cannot see with them. To have done this? He must surely be a monster. Perhaps you should not speak on what you don't understand. At best, you look stupid. At worst, you look cruel. I'm very sorry. I didn't mean to insult you. My name is Cosette. I have been a part of this household since before our Lord was born. All those that live in this house possess curses of their own making. He tried to send us away when he went through his change. Three of us stayed to reap the bitter fruit we had sown. The four of us make do, and now five, miss, if you can beg my pardon for saying so. There's a lot of work, but we help each other out. I know where everything is by heart, so eyes don't mean as much. 
Don't you get terribly lonely here? I can't imagine this place has very many visitors. We have each other, miss. If you need anything, please let me know. The bath was warm, the dress was soft cotton and cornflower blue, the brushes and combs and ribbons for her hair were myriad and numerous. She chose a bow that matched her dress, noticing it matched her eyes as well. When she finished, Cassette took her to the breakfast room. It was surprisingly cozy, one wall completely made of windows. The view of the grounds was clutched by roses. The beast sat at a round table by the window, Maximilian refreshing his cup of tea. Is this how you look when you prepare for battle? If so, I can see. He waved his white napkin, attempting a smile. She sat rather stiffly. Maximilian was immediately at her side, filling her delicate teacup. He looked back at the beast and clicked his mouth pointedly before bustling away. You... you look quite pretty this morning. Those colors suit you. Did you not pick them? If you're going to dress me like a doll, I would hope that you pick clothing you like. Did he just fidget? He could tear me to pieces with barely a thought. Will you join me in the garden after breakfast? It might cheer you better than my conversation. Rose stared at him, surprised. She studied the anxious twist of his mouth. Her fingers itched with wanting to draw him. With the roses and the sunshine, should I expect another proposal? <sighs> the beast threw up a paw to protest, his face bright with mortification and morning sunshine. Rose tried her hardest not to laugh. It'd been a long night, circumstances being... I was just caught up. I just wanted you to feel welcome here. I suppose I have nothing but time to see what is inside this misleading book's cover. We commoners have very different welcoming customs. I'd be delighted to go on a walk with you. After breakfast, they walked through the gardens filled with more flowers than Rose could ever have thought of in her wildest dreams. The beast knew them all and told her fairy stories attached to their names. I apologize. Have I been talking too much? Yes. Oh, don't make that face. It's not that you've bored me. The colors alone are breathtaking, but knowing their stories and names, all I can think of is when I might get a moment to attempt to paint them. I was enamored. I'm sorry. Don't ever apologize for the way you see the world or the way you express yourself. Are you all right? You touched your chest just now. Should we sit? You are wearing an out-of-season fur coat. Perhaps it is the heat. Let us sit. With heartbreaking gentleness, the beast wrapped two viciously clawed fingers around the delicate stem of a violet anemone. The cloth sliced through the stem and he studied the petals for a time. My mother planted all of these. It was the way she saw the world. She wouldn't let anyone take it from her. The gardening, even her own health. Her heart gave out amongst these flowers one day. She should have thought more about you, or your father. She thought about us all the time. There are few people who loved like she did, without fear or reservation. You must be selfish sometimes, Rose. Even at the detriment of the people I love? Why must I be selfish, O oh wise and noble beast? His green eyes met her blue. They were guileless and open. He saw her, she knew, just for a second, 
a glimpse through the secret window into her heart. If we are selfless all the time, our sacrifices have no meaning. We cannot have courage without fear. We cannot love without heartbreak. We cannot sacrifice that which we do not love. He handed her the flower and stood up, his hand massaging his chest again. Come, I promised Cosette I would show you the horses. She is convinced all women adore horses more than they abhor their stink. Rose blinked, then tucked the flower into the braid in her hair before following after him. They spent the afternoon riding through the grounds, enjoying each other's company. Twilight was a purple bruise on the horizon when they finally returned. Thank you for today. Rose, we are not in the garden anymore. Oh, the observations of the nobility really are more sophisticated than that of the common man. As we are not... I will not be breaking my promise to you should I propose again. Rose, won't you consider being lady of this house? You could paint the gardens, the lands, anything you wished. A lovely home cannot in itself inspire love. No, beast, I will not marry you. She turned away from him, the orange ribbons of sunset alighting on the anemone in her hair. Flower of the Forsaken flower of fading hope. It paired with her golden hair so well. Blood bloomed brightly on his tunic, just above his heart. The next morning, she found paints and canvas outside her door with a note. Lady of the house or not, you should be able to express yourself. However, if you paint the way you sing... Yes, I did hear you and Cosette yesterday evening after dinner. Perhaps we can find you a less destructive means of expression. Despite herself, Rose let out a snort of laughter. They spent the summer like that, riding through the grounds, telling each other stories. In the evenings, they would listen to violin music from Maximilian. They laughed often, rarely out of one another's company. Every evening, the beast would propose. Rose always refused. Autumn came. Rose was striding through the gardens just before sunrise, the chilly dew clinging to her skirts, when she witnessed Renard, the third servant, come through the woods. Oh, hello, Renard. The pony wickered, shaking his head in the cool mist. The man looked up at her and almost startled off his saddle. (laughs) Rose, apologies, darling. I would have responded sooner, but, well, you know, hear no evil. He gestured to his wooden ears. (laughs) I'm out here every morning. Are you that distracted by your own beauty? Ha <laughs> ha! I can read lips, you know. Sarcasm and all. I am glad I found you, however. Could I ask of your beautiful company whilst preparing our house's little autumn harvest feast? Oh, you're used to that smile getting you everything you want from a woman. But that sounds too fun to pass up. It was only after a full day of stringing lights, moving hay bales, pulling together tables, and placing delicious smelling foods upon them that Rose realized something that turned her stomach into shards of ice. I haven't thought of my family today. Not once. As if on cue, 
Her host came down the steps, a lovely autumn cloak secured about his broad shoulders, a smile on that beastly face. His smile faltered and his eyes caught hers. Her heart skipped and her cheeks heated with rage. She ran, she ran until her boots stumbled over roots and vines, until the scent of fresh roses overwhelmed her. Even the plants here don't make any sense. What roses bloom in autumn? (gasps) She felt a furred paw snag her arm gently and stumbled to a halt. Rose, please, we can't be here. I'm sorry for for whatever transpired to upset you. What transpired was that you ripped me from my home and put me in this gilded cage. This is not my home. You are not my friend. The beast winced and Rose ripped her arm free, staring at him with all the anger she could muster. Poison green vines, defying the season, began reaching for her feet. The beast fell to his knees, blood seeping down his shirt from a wound in his chest as vines began to wrap around his arms and legs. Beast, what's wrong? What's happening? Rose, run! Not without you. Get up. I just need to get these vines off of you. Ow! Thorns on the vines ripped at her fingers. Rose, thank God. You can't come out here. This forest is hateful. He's hurt, Renard. He can't move for pain, and I don't know what to do. Hold still, Rose. One thing at a time. There now. Let's get him back quickly. Max will need to tend to him. They managed to get him onto the horse. He was unconscious by the time they returned. Throughout the night, Rose sat at his side, holding a paw, counting his breaths. You must have been hurt and pushed onward anyway, you stupid thing. Mm, Stupidity, it seems. Granted me a lovely vision this morning. I am inclined to entertain its guidance if this is what it yields me. What happened out there, beast? When my line is ended, the forest will reclaim these lands. As the curse takes hold and my power here weakens, the forest comes more alive and... Able to take from me that which I hold dear. You are a wicked thing to make everyone worry for you. Was this so I wouldn't be angry? Did it work? Rose looked upon that smiling face, its eyes still glazed with exhaustion and pain. Her heart fluttered again. I can't stay here. Autumn turned to winter. They began to decorate for the winter solstice, a holiday sacred to her family. Rose, you have been sitting here since dawn. I like the view of the house from this garden bench. Your mother really did have an eye for these things. She could feel his eyes solemnly studying her face. Hesitantly, he took her hand into his paw, (laughs) his fur soft and warm against her numb fingers. Your hands are cold. Perhaps you would like a cup of something warm? Rose, what's wrong? What's wrong? Only that this house is so lovely and your hand is so warm, you vicious thing. Seeing these decorations, hearing their laughter, it makes me think of my family. You miss your family? You want to go home? No, damn you. No. I... Why wouldn't I? It is a holiday. I guess I'm vicious too. Vicious and wicked and- And on a holiday, you should be with the ones you love. Tears cut tracks down her face. For both of them, it was a confirmation. But I I love love you. you. 
Will you return to me before the new year comes? I made a vow. I won't break it. No. I don't want you to be loyal to a vow. I want you to be loyal to me. To all of this. If you wish, only then, return to me before the new year comes. And what will you do with yourself? Should I decide I've grown bored of you all and your antics and remain in my father's house? <laughs> oh, most likely I would die of heartbreak. The beast stood up and headed toward the house. I'll have Cosette pack your things. You will be with your family before dinner. The beast was true to his word. Rose watched the house until it was shrouded behind the woods again. The beast had not proposed to her. She did not know what she would have said had he done so. The next few days were a whirlwind of tears and joy. Sick with guilt, Rose's father had not seen fit to celebrate the solstice without her. Now that they would all be together, their little village was alive with happy festival preparations. Rose's heart warred with itself. How could she be so cruel as to want for more? You must be selfish sometimes, Rose. I look out the window and hope to see you there at the door, coming for me. When she confessed these feelings to her father, he wept and yelled and begged her to stay. Rose, ashamed of his hurt, could not bring herself to defy his wishes. The eve of the new year came with a quiet snowfall. As the hours ticked closer to midnight, she thought of the beast's home bedecked in red and green. Of Renard's irreverent smile, Cassette's laughter, Maximilian's quiet affection. Most of all, she thought of the beast, of those green eyes that shone with such human emotion. She thought of him standing there, watching the hours tick by, knowing that she wouldn't return, but waiting all the same. I will not start a new year without you, beast! She rode through the night, arriving at the gates just before dawn. Through their bars, she could see a hulking, furred form slumped against the empty fountain. No! Blood bright as rose petals shone against the bone-white stone of the fountain. She dug desperately through his blood-matted fur, but could find no wound. Beast! Where are you hurt? Please, tell me! Beast! He's dead, Rose. She whirled around to where the three servants stood in silent, tear-streaked vigil. No, he's fine. He's going to be he fine. died of a broken heart. What? That was his curse. Our young master let his fear shut out the world. He watched his father's broken heart become poisoned after losing his wife. Our young master was terrified and swore he would never fall in love. After his father died, our young master closed the gates, not letting anyone in or out to keep us all safe. Even when an old wretch of a woman came to beg at the gates, he refused. She was an enchantress. The fear that choked the house became twisting rose vines. The fear that corrupted him twisted itself into bestial claws and fur. What could have broken the curse? Love. He had to be brave enough to fall in love. And the person he loved had to be brave enough to love him back. If not, that love would kill him, just like he always feared it would. Even knowing that, he let you go. 
He loved you too much to keep you with him if you did not love him in return. But I did. I did love him. I do now. I love you, Beast, with everything I have. I didn't want to hurt my family. But the truth is, I didn't want to leave you. Please, please don't leave me now. She buried her face in his fur. None of them noticed the old beggar woman from the village watching them through the gates. To be loved, thorns and all. That's worth a little miracle, I think. Ribbons of morning light rippled toward them, glinting on snow and petals and red, red blood. Rose continued to weep until she felt his chest rise. She looked up into a human face that was strangely familiar. A hand devoid of fur and claws reached up and carefully wiped away her tears. A human arm wrapped around Rose's waist and pulled her toward a very handsome prince. <laughs> Rose, surely it hasn't been long enough to warrant this kind of reunion. <laughs> Don't flatter yourself. I was crying because I missed Max. Please do not weep on my account, miss. The first thing to come out of your mouth in ten years is sass, Max? You do me proud. Rose and her prince turned together to lay eyes upon their friends. Cassette's eyes were clear and filled with happy tears. Max's laughter was warm and quiet as he led the other two away. Rose turned to her beloved, touching the contours of his cheeks, his arms holding her like she'd evaporate into the morning mist. Your eyes are the same. Are they what won you in the end? I didn't have to go through all the trouble of horses and flowers then. It was your brave heart, you beastly thing. I am brave because you made me brave because I had no choice but to love someone like you for the rest of my days, no matter how few they were. Rose, you have set us free. I couldn't ask for more from you. Marry me. What? Marry me. I want to be brave, too. I don't want to be parted from you for family or duty or anything else. Take me home where I belong and let me love you. To think that I imagined I knew life before this moment, that my fear preserved only a half-life and kept me from knowing... This! Yes, Rose, I will marry you. They were wed on the first day of spring, surrounded by family, friends, and hundreds of roses in full bloom. There has never been a couple who loved so deeply and completely as Beauty and her Beast. This episode was brought to you by A Pack of Lions. They're right behind you. Run. I hope you enjoyed the tale. When you return, perhaps I will tell you another. The story, Beauty and the Beast, was written by L.J. Donnell. For more information on Anansi Storytime, visit us at spiderstorytime.com. Please review us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever we're available. It goes a long way to help people find us. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. It's fawns like a baby deer. My God. To be loved, fawns.